developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of The First Team for another scouting report episode. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. And as we did one Edge Prospect show today, we are doing a second one. That being for former top recruit JT Tuamoilau from Ohio State and then Braylon Trice's, or sorry, Washington's Braylon Trice. So both these guys, Ryan, I, I think that they're on very different ends of the spectrum in terms of the impact that they're going to provide early on. Both are good football players, but just off the bat, as we kind of had some off-air discussions, I am much higher on Trice than I am on Tuamoylau. And I, I think my expectations were a little too high just based on the general national conversation on JT that is, has kind of been pushed out there lately. I mean, I think it makes sense. I would also, I would say this though, Joe. I mean, when we're comparing both players, the reason that these two are kind of put next to each other in this conversation is one, they're almost identical size. I mean, JT is listed mm-hmm. at 6'4, 271. Braylon Trice is listed at 6'4, 267. Both guys are much more power based technicians than they are bendy guys. So I think there's going to be an interesting conversation as far as. Nuance, but there's also going to be an interesting conversation versus, I mean, we're talking about one kid that's going to be a fifth-year senior this year, and we're going to talk about another kid that is going to be a true junior. So there's a little bit of an age gap here, which I think we need to – do. We, need, we do need to consider that when we're kind of deciphering both players. Yeah, and I think that experience definitely shows up on tape often when we watch both of these guys because one has good hands and knows how to use them, and the other one – I didn't get that same level of technical refinement. But starting us off with JT Tuamoilau, probably going to butcher his name. One of the everyone who watches college football knows that is probably one of the hardest names to pronounce. Uh, but Ryan, before we get into the breakdown, you always seem to have notes on these guys. So what do you what do you what do we know about JT Tuamoilau? Well, funny enough, another conversation piece is that we're talking about a Washington edge, and we're also talking about a kid that came out of Washington. He was out of Edgewood, Washington, Eastside Catholic, five-star recruits. I mean, pretty much immediately was thrust into opportunities to play. I think he had yeah four and a half tackles for loss as a true freshman in 2021. So he, he's been a part of like this weird edge rotation over the last couple of years, Joe, which I think kind of clouds a little bit of the production for JT to a degree because he's working with guys mm-hmm. like Zach Harrison, like uh, Jack Sawyer, like Javante Jean-Baptiste that transferred to Notre Dame this offseason, like Tyler Friday. So he, he, this is one of those situations where they rotate so much that I think the production kind of hasn't 
come to the forefront, but he was named all big 10 conference first team as a sophomore in 2022 and a former five-star recruit. So there's obviously some back into his name also in a 2020 shortened pandemic season in basketball. He was also Mm. an 18 point per game guy and eight rebounds per game playing both guard forward and center. So this is a multi-sport athlete coming out of high school, man. I I think some of that shows up a little bit. I think it does show up a little bit. The, the recruiting aspect of this. So he didn't really, he didn't play his first year. And then as soon as he had that big game against Penn state, everyone was saying, Oh, the top, you know, their top defensive recruit from that class has finally showed up. They're finally here. Um, you know, he's playing up to that expectation of, of what everyone thought. I, I will say, though, Ryan, I, I think that for his production after that game, he didn't really live up to that that billing that was brought to him after he had two interceptions. He had the two sacks, I believe, because he finished the season with three and a half sacks. Not a lot of production. I know that there is a rotation of a lot of different guys that were worked in on that Ohio State defensive line. But again, the production didn't really fit up to what we were starting to talk about. I almost feel like, and I'm not trying to knock JT, I just want to set realistic standards for him because I feel like after he played that Penn State game, our thoughts on him stayed the same. They didn't realign with where he's at, which is I think he still has a lot of work to get done before he reaches that expectation in the level that people are describing him as as a top 15 pick. I don't think this is a top 15 pick. I think he has stuff that he definitely needs to work on. We're going to kind of break that down. But I don't know if you agree with me on that same sentiment. I just feel like that Penn State game we were so hung up on, we were so hyped up on that we let, and this happened for me too, we let that performance impact our thoughts on him and putting him in that top tier category very early on. I think there's a lot of layers to this conversation, honestly, right? I mean, for one, Joe, I think that there is something to be said about there's a conversation point between upside and production, right? Upside is what you haven't quite seen yet, what something could get to, what a player could achieve. And then production is obviously the actualization of that talent that the player has. We've seen mm-hmm. a little bit of production. I mean, the kid did lead the, lead the team in tackles for loss this year for a pretty talented defensive line. But I do think that there is a subtle nuance to this conversation because, one, he's playing with a lot of future NFL dudes. I mean, Zach Harrison went in the third round. Jack Sawyer is going to get drafted next year if he decides to come out. Michael Hall is a future NFL player. Tyleek Williams, if his head's on straight, is a future NFL player. So he does sacrifice some production because he plays with a lot of mouths to feed on that defensive line. So I think there's some nuance to the lack of production. I think he was pretty productive player. It's just he didn't have a ton of sacks last year because there was just a lot of a lot of mouths to feed. My biggest thing with JT is where I think we're un- overrating him to a large degree because I agree he's overrated. He's overrated in the sense that he should not be a top 10 pick right now considered. I just don't see yeah. that type of player. I see a very good, rock-solid NFL starting defensive ends. That's what I see. I actually don't see, despite him only being a true junior this year, a younger guy, I don't see a ton of upside with, with a guy like JT. I see I see yeah. him as a high floor player that is technically very refined for his age. That isn't the bendiest rusher of all time. He's a power based rusher that understands how to reduce angles. I think he has pretty good hand usage. So I I, I just struggle with I don't know where he's going to get a ton better technically, right? Like, and I just think that he is going to be a 
good player in the NFL level. I don't think he's a star, though. I don't. I think he's just a good six to eight sack a year type of kid in the NFL, which nothing wrong with that. I think it's good. And I think I think that he is a ready-made run defender on the next level. I think he does a pretty good job setting a firm edge. I think he plays with strong hands. I think that he can do all that stuff in a vacuum. But I just think that we're kind of overrating the upside on this kid because he was a former five-star. I just I don't see that type of talent on film. I see a solid explosiveness, good size, lack of bend. I, I just don't see upside as a high-volume sack artist on the next level. Like I just don't see that right now. Yeah, I think that I, I do see him a little bit differently because like I just I didn't get excited over the hand usage stuff. Like I I and it's not that he doesn't know how to use his hands. He just he doesn't engage disengage well. And that to me is always problem I, I, number I think, one I, for an edge rusher is if they don't know how to properly disengage from from blockers. Like that's something that needs to work well. He's got a pretty good bull rush like you're talking about here. He's a strong yeah. kid. He's got a, a good, well-built lower half. He generates good power from there. I think sometimes that shows up against the run, but I don't see a guy who knows how to get off blocks, knows how to locate the quarterback and make plays. And I think that you, you know, you were telling me that his disruption stats, you know, they were pretty good, yeah. but it makes sense why he didn't have a lot of sacks because he just on tape doesn't look like a guy that knows how to locate the football, get off blocks, and go make plays. I just think like you're talking about, he's high floor, which makes sense because he can step in, he's going to take up space, he's going to play his role, but he's not going to be like a 12-15 sack guy. He's never going to reach that expectation. I, I think there's some players that they struggle to get off of blocks and, and finish plays sometimes because of the technical side of the game. But I also think that there's another side, though, Joe, for me. And I think that I think that JT Tui Moloau falls more into this conversation of I don't think he's incredibly gifted from a physical perspective. I don't think he has the longest arms of all time. I don't mm -hmm. think he's incredibly strong. I mean, I think he's strong. I don't think he's incredibly explosive, right? Yeah. So working against, I, I think that word that comes up with is like I think about his game against Amarius Mims from Georgia. Amarius Mims is just much longer, much stronger, much more physically gifted. So he's not going to be able to get off the, mm. off against that type of kid consistently. Like I think that's what it is more than a lack of technical prowess. I think that it's just you're seeing some limitations from him physically. I just don't yeah. think I just don't think he's that guy, man. I think he's more and people are going to take this as a big negative. I don't think it's as big a negative as people are going to act like it is. He's more Derek Barnett than he is Chase Young in that regard, right? Chase Young, I, um, Derek Barnett was a good player coming out of Tennessee, hustled, power profile, technical refinement, but he didn't have a ton of new uh, – he didn't have a ton of high upside athletic traits. That's what I see with JT. Yep. I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete. I just think he is kind of what he is, which is no problem. I mean, I would draft this kid, and he would start for me at defensive ends relatively early in his career. I just don't – again, we're not talking about a double-digit sack artist every single year. I just don't see that with yeah. a kid like JT. What is kind of funny is that like he's a, such a highly recruited kid, and sometimes like when we talk about these highly recruited kids, it's like they're they're twitchy, but they haven't really figured it out yet. And it was kind of like the Dallas Turner conversation that that we had, but you know, GT is just the complete opposite. He's consistent. Well, well he's well, consistent. There there are some recruits though that get slightly I, I don't want to say overhyped, but like they are the high caliber recruits they are because. They're more physically advanced than some other players their yeah. age, right? Like that that happens all the time. How many offensive tackles miss 
going from high school and college just, just because they were men amongst boys as seniors. But the problem is, is that they had already hit close to their peak physically. I think that's more what we're seeing with JT is that he was just a very advanced player coming out of Eastside Catholic. And I just think that it's that maturation just hasn't I, I thought I think that it's kind of it caught up to him a little bit quicker than maybe some other guys do. Mm. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with Underdog Fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially, again, during the offseason. Always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's BetOnline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. Promo code believe fifty to get fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Braylon Trice, though, I was very excited about. And I, one thing I will say is I'm fine, like starting to discover here with this edge class. It's not there's not as much top end talent as it was hoping for. Yeah, it was hyped up that Dallas Turner, JT Tumoylau, and then also guys like uh, Leitu Latu and Braylon Trice were going to be all top 20 picks. I don't think that's going to be the case, but Braylon Trice is in that conversation of being a, a mid to late first rounder. He is an older player, as you indicated. Are there any other backstory notes despite him or other than his age of him coming back and being this, this fifth-year guy on a defense that was pretty good last year and I think should take a, a strong step forward in 2023? He um so he actually wasn't the highest recruit of all time. He was pretty much a consensus three star recruit. He came out of Phoenix, Arizona. With, went to Sandra Day O'Connor. I know him very well, Joe, because although I wasn't covering recruiting for Notre Dame at this point, Notre Dame mm. loved Braylon Trice. Man, they made him a high priority. They tried to get him. Obviously, he was a Arizona kid who decided to stay on the West Coast and go to the University of Washington. And Washington actually had a few nice recruiting wins against Notre Dame during that time. Like guys like him and Asa Turner and uh, Kyler Gordon was a guy that Notre Dame loved a lot. That's now with the Chicago bears. So Braylon Trice stayed out West. Very fascinating. Didn't play at all. His first two years, 2019 redshirted 2020 didn't play a single snap for Washington or play very little. So he didn't play his first two years. And then 2021, he gets a little bit of a background, obviously as, as a part-time player, as a, as a rotational piece, and then 2022, man, I don't know what happens, but the the light went on for him, and he ends up with 12 sacks, nine tackles for loss, and he did that. He had that production, 
was playing with guys like Jeremiah Martin and ZTF mm. and some really talented edge group for watching this past year. So he's a, he's a talented kid, man, who has a very interesting background because he didn't play his first two years, which is kind of wild. Yeah, he's he's really progressed pretty quick and kind of similar to JT. He's he's not a super bendy guy, but I did catch the explosiveness. The best way to describe him, I think, is violent. He is a yes, very, very violent pass rusher. I see a guy that knows how to use his hands. He's got very active hands. And again, the violence in his hands, I think, creates uh, a lot of winnable reps for him. It's not like he's a snap-to-snap, constantly dominant player like Jared Verse is why I'm kind of grading him out as a top 50 player. But that violence I love, and I think the strength shows up as well against the run because he can anchor and locate the football pretty well. I, I feel like, again, those the, the bend limitations do show up. He's not going to be like an elite pass rusher, but he can be a very important piece to a, a, a defensive line in the NFL because of the demeanor that he brings to the position. I love Braylon Trice, man. I think that for a kid that didn't play his first two years and was just a rotational player in 2021, he has some of the best hands that we've seen over the last couple years. I mean, he really mm-hmm. understands how to set things up, how to work inside track, how to work outside track. And you're right. He's not the bendiest guy of all time, but what he does really well that is similar to Nick Bosa, because people forget about this about Nick Bosa, who's now the best deep pass rusher in the NFL. Nick Bosa was not a bendy guy coming out of Ohio State. What Nick Bosa was, is he understood how to soften angles, really understood how to set offensive tackles up. And I think that's what Braylon Trice knows how to do, man. He's incredibly slippery, knows how to get off blocks, incredible hand usage, and he's got some tools in his arsenal already, some pass rush profile. So he might not have as high as upside as a couple of these edges in this class, but he is an incredibly high floor, man. I think this is a ready-made guy who's going to start day one in the NFL, that he's going to have some pass rush production. So while it might never be – incredibly flashy how he finishes mm. at the quarterback. He's just going to be one of those kids kind of like Brandon Graham. And this isn't a direct comparison because they're completely different body types, but Brandon Graham has been one of those guys for the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time where it's like, there's nothing flashy about his game, but then you blink your eye. You're like, he had nine or 10 sacks almost every year. Like that's just t- type of player. He is. I think that's what Brandon Trice could be. He might get under, uh, he might get undervalued at some point. He might get overshadowed at some others, but I just think he's going to be a really good football player, man. I'm, I'm high on Braylon Trice. Love him a lot. Yeah, I, I always buy into the guys that just play the game the way that he does, which is, again, I'm going to be repetitive as hell when we talk about Braylon Trice on the show. Violence. Having a violent mentality and bringing that to the way that you rush the quarterback, like that stuff, it's hard to find. I know that some people might not think that that's the case, but there are a lot of instances where edge rushers are just – relying on their speed or relying on their strength and they don't bring the mentality necessary to succeed. I argue that the right mentality behind decent traits will lead to production. So I I'm really, I really like Brandon Trice as well. I'm not like top 25 high or top 10 high, but again, a top 50 player for me on my board. Uh, and I think that he is going to probably be a mid to late first rounder just because there's just such a premiere on edge rushers every single year for the NFL. I have a late first-round grade on Braylon Trice, 19-32. Uh, I'm, I'm high on him, man. I really am. I would draft mm. this kid probably starting somewhere in the teens, and I would be completely okay with anything mid to late first round, to your point. I really would. He is 
man, there's just something to be said about these kids sometimes, man, where they could just come in and they can affect the game from day one. Like very underrated aspects to the evaluation because we all we always fall in love with the ceiling, which I completely get. But for the floor is what excites me most about a kid like a Bradley Trice. So I think Washington got a massive victory. I mean, everyone talked about Michael Penix returning for a senior year, right, Joe? Everyone talked about Rome. Adunze, the wide receiver, going back for his senior season. How about getting Braylon Trice back on a fifth year come back to University of Washington? Massive. He was, he was probably going to get drafted in the top 50 picks last year, and he decides to go back to school. Uh, man, big, big, big bump for the University of Washington this year. Well, we'll see what happens with both these guys. Drop a comment below. Let us know what you think about both prospects. At Joe DeLeon at Rising Draft, we will be back with more folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.